we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. When you are interested to find out, that very interest is the flame that makes the mind, the brain, the body, quiet. Hello and welcome to episode 221 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast features carefully selected clips from the extensive archives. The aim is to represent different aspects of Krishnamurti's radical approach to many of the issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is quiet. Upcoming themes are patterns and formulas, evil and escapes. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust based at Brockwood Park in the UK, which is also home to the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre. Situated in the beautiful countryside of the South Downs National Park, the Krishnamurti Centre offers retreats individually and in groups. The focus is on inquiry in light of Krishnamurti's teachings. Please visit krishnamurtycentre.org.uk for more information, including the one-night free special offer. You can also find our regular Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on your podcast app, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on quiet has four sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk at Rajgat in 1967, titled Can We Make the Mind Quiet? And we make our mind completely quiet. <laughs> Quite right, sir. I wonder why everybody laughed. Huh? Why did you all laugh? Because a little boy asked how one can have a completely quiet mind. Huh? Is that why you laughed? That that does that question depend on age? Would you have laughed if an older man asked that question? I'm afraid you wouldn't. You, asked, you laughed because a small boy asked it. But you know, a small boy or a grown-up man can put the right question. The boy, little boy asks, how can one have a very quiet mind? First of all, why do you want a quiet mind? Go, please think it out with me, go into it with me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Why do I want, why do you want a quiet mind? Because it will give you greater pleasure, greater profit, you will see more. If you want a quiet mind out of greed, then it will not be a quiet mind. You want a quiet mind because you are frightened? Then you are escaping from fear, therefore it will not be a quiet mind. Please follow all this carefully, which is through negation you are going to come to the quiet mind. Not by a positive process of practicing a system, a method which, will, which promises a quiet mind. Don't accept such promises from anybody. Because quiet mind is not possible if you are frightened, if you are angry, if you think of yourself as more important than somebody else. You cannot possibly have a quiet mind if you are an Indian or a Muslim or a Christian or a Communist. That means you, are, you have segregated yourself, separated yourself to a little, shoddy little mind and that little mind wants to be quiet. A little mind thinking about God is still a little mind. So through denial, through negation of what is the disturbing factors like anger, jealousy, brutality, violence, ambition, all those factors pre prevent the fact of a quiet mind. A quiet mind must have immense peace. You know, space. And one has no space at all. One's mind is cluttered up with so many things, with knowledge, with fears, with hopes, with despairs, with ambitions, full of these things. And therefore there is no space at all within itself. And it is only the mind that is completely empty of all that it has gathered. Therefore, a mind that has immense peace within itself, such a mind is a quiet mind. You see, you listen to this, hmm? but you really have never tried to empty the mind of one particular desire or rather one particular pleasure. or to empty it of a fear. Then you will see that space is as important as the world. Because for, 
For us, the word is extraordinarily important. The word is the symbol. The word God is a symbol, but not the fact. The word door is not the actual door. So the word becomes extraordinarily important for us. And when the word is no longer important, that means the symbol is no longer important. Therefore it can be put aside. Then you'll find that the mind which is free of the word can look, free of the image can look. And you can only look when there is space. Not little space, but immense space. Space that is not measurable. Then in that space you can see what is true and you don't need to have perception. There is no need for seeking. Is the quiet mind more creative than the process than the mind that is in the process of of becoming quiet? Is that right, sir? You see. Now, what do we mean by that word creative? Look, there are three questions involved in this. First, is the quiet mind creative? Then, is that creativeness, does not, does not that creativeness lie in the very process of becoming quiet? So, there are three, three things involved in this. Is the mind creative? Or the process itself is creation? And, and what do we mean by that word creative? Right? So let us settle first the meaning or the feeling of that word creative. Is an artist who paints a picture or writes a poem, is he creative? Because he expresses it, what he feels on the canvas, or puts into words as a poem. So is creativeness an expression? You're following all this? Must I express myself when I feel creative in canvas in diff ten different ways? And 
is expression of that creativeness really creative? So therefore one must go into this very clearly, slowly. I see a tree, the beauty of it. I see it only when my mind is completely quiet, the totality of that beauty. And why should I express it on canvas, in music or in verse? Why? What is important, the expression of what I have seen or the seeing the beauty? And the other question is, in the very process of becoming of quiet, is, is that process creative? Right, sir? Now, is it a process? That is, process gradually becoming. Can the mind gradually, slowly, diff through different methods, systems, persuasion, strain, stresses, conflict, gradually become quiet? The process. Or there is no process at all. There is only the actual state, not a way to eat. If there is a way to eat, then it is static. That is, the state of the mind that's peaceful becomes static. It is not alive, it is not dynamic, it is not moving, alive, passionate. It is only to that something which is static, dead, there is a process. And the other question is, if there is no process at all, obviously there isn't, then how is the mind to totally empty itself and be peaceful in that extraordinary state, which in itself is creative, it has no need for expression? You understand? How is a mind to come upon this quietness without any effort? Effort being distortion. Conflict is a distortion. It can only come upon it when it is, when you have understood the total negation of that which is false. Hmm? When you deny time, the process, 
all the process which de- from which you derive pleasure and so on, so on, so on. When you totally deny all that, then you, it will be there. You don't have to look for it. The second extract is from Krishnamurti's sixth talk in New Delhi, 1963, titled The Conscious Mind Must Be Completely Quiet. Now the question is, is it possible to inquire into the unconscious? I haven't time to go into it too deeply, but I hope you'll follow this. Unless you understand the unconscious completely do what you will consciously. Your meditation or your inquiry or your seeking God or all trying to become non-violent or all the rest of the show has no meaning. Because the unconscious shapes our thought and our feeling. So you have to inquire into it. You understand? You have to find out. And to find out about something which you do, of which you don't know. You don't know your unconscious. You may know hints, some intimations of it, through dreams and so on. But you don't know the, the depth of it the contours of it, the frame, the boundaries of it. You have to know. And to find out your conscious mind must be completely be quiet. You understand? The conscious mind, the mind, that is in constant battle. The mind, the conscious mind, that is ambitious, that's greedy, envious, uh, fear frightened, licking the boots of those in power, you know, showing respect to those people in power and not showing respect to anybody else. You know, the conscious mind, that mind which is not only put together by the psychological structure of society, that mind must be completely quiet. That means you must be free from ambition, not verbally. You must be free from the desire for power, position, prestige. It must be free from fear, and therefore in a state of complete humility, and it's only then the superficial mind is quiet. Then you will find when that mind, superficial mind is quiet, then the whole content of the consciousness comes into, into, into view. You understand? By analyzing the unconscious, you know, 
the analytical process will never solve this problem, because there is always been the analyzer who is conditioned, and therefore whatever he is analyzes is still conditioned. Therefore the analytical process has no value, or the self-introspective process has no value. But what has value is for the conscious mind to be aware of its social, psychological structure of, of a particular society in which it is caught, and to be free of that, of that psychological structure. Then only the conscious mind is quiet, completely quiet. Conscious mind. The unconscious is not yet. Then you will see when the conscious mind is very quiet, not at any given moment, but all the time, as you go into the office, as you walk home, as you bicycle, as you go in a bus, to be quiet, not enforced, because you understand how important it is for a superficial mind to be quiet, the necessity of it, the urgency of it, therefore it is quiet. You cannot make it quiet, then it becomes stupidly dull, inactive, is not aware, and all the beauty of life slips by. So the conscious mind, by observing the necessity of quietness, it is quiet. Then the unconscious projects all the things, all its contents. As you observe a tree, as you observe a woman, as you observe a man, a child, all the responses, the motives, the hidden dark corners of the mind spill out. And therefore they are understood immediately, because your conscious mind is not judging, is not evaluating, comparing. It is there watching, completely still, because it is no longer seeking, no longer wanting experience. Then you will see, if you have gone as far as that, then the whole content of consciousness is empty. The third extract is from the second discussion in Sanin, 1971, titled When the Brain is Quiet. The brain operates in the old habits established by the culture I live in or by the past racial inheritance and so on that response all the time, judging, evaluating, believing, not believing, discussing, getting angry, violent, prejudiced, that is its response all the time to any stimuli, protecting, denying and so on. 
I'm asking myself whether that brain can momentarily be in abeyance and not respond instantly, right? Huh? I'm asking, I don't know. I'm going to find out. I, the brain cannot be denied of its past knowledge. It must have past knowledge. I don't know if you are meeting all this. But otherwise it can't function. So, I am asking myself, myself being, that's a, not, I am asking whether that brain, which is the old, will allow itself to be quiet so that a new part can operate. Right? When you flatter me, the old brain says, how lovely! But can the old brain listen to what you say, the flattery, and not respond? So that perhaps a new m- movement can take place. Uh, right? Right, sir? That new movement can only take place when there is silence. Right? Not the machinery operating in terms of the past. Eh? I don't. Is that clear? No, clear in the sense what yourselves are. Otherwise, it's no fun. I'm not explaining. For myself, we are working together. I find when one examines one's activities, the old brain is always responding. As a Catholic, as a person, whatever it is, all according to its limited knowledge, to its tradition to its racial inheritance. And when that is operating, new, nothing new can take place. Right? Now I want to find out whether that brain can be quiet, the old brain, so that a new movement can take place. <coughs> right? I want to find out. I can only find out when, in relationship with another, watching the old brain in operation, right, and see the old brain understands the truth that it must be quiet in order a new Operation can take place. A copy? 
I am not. The brain is not forcing itself to be quiet. If it is forcing itself to be quiet, then it is the operation of the past still. In in that there is division, there is conflict, there is discipline, all the rest of it. But if the old brain understands or sees the fact, the truth, that as long as it is in constant response to any stimuli, it must operate along the old lines. If that brain, the old brain, sees the truth of that, then that old brain becomes quiet. It is the truth that brings about the quietness, not the intention to be quiet. I won't have you get it? Okay. Because you see, sir, it's very interesting this question. Because one finds there are certain brains that are never conditioned. You say, how do you know? Hmm? Naturally. I only know it because it has happened to the speaker. You may not believe it or disbelieve it, just take the fact. I am asking why the brain must, must always be functioning in its old pattern. If it is not functioning in its old pattern, it sets a new pattern according to its memories and, the, and setting a new pattern in opposition to the old. You see, we only use very, very small part of the brain, right? And that small part is the past. There must be, and there is, parts of the brain which have not, which has not functioned at all, which are open, empty, new. Right? Do you know anything about it? No, sir. Don't don't agree to this. Uh, we only know the old brain in operation, when you are at all conscious of it. Now I are asking whether that old brain can be still to a stimuli, so that a new response can come out. That's my, my question. I know, one knows, the old brain, either superficially or in depth, is conditioned. Right? There is no question about that. And the next question is, 
how can that brain, which has been so conditioned, not always respond to any stimuli, hold back a little, right? And hold back a little. And one finds when when there is the necessity, the urgency and the importance of this question is vital, the brain does hold back, right? The old brain. So that a new quality of the mind which has of the brain which has never been touched operates. And this has happened, sir, this is not my <laughs> only experience. Any top scientist, top scientist, not a scientist who is a slave to government, but top scientist, free from government and environment and um, the desire for success, position. I don't, those are not scientists at all, they are merchants. But the scientist who is free of government and the demands of government and so on, he must have asked this question, because how does he d- discover new things? If the old brain is in operation all the time, he can't discover anything new. So, it is only when the old brain is quiet, something new is seen. Right? Like the man who invented jet, though he had tremendous knowledge of the piston, internal combustion machinery, though he knew it all, he had to find something new. And therefore, the old brain said, All right, I'll keep quiet. With all my knowledge which I have quiet, I'm going to look, which means I must be apt. The old brain must be quiet. And in that quiet state, something new is discovered. Right? This is a fact. I don't, you don't have to dis- fight with me. Now, without forcing the brain, hmm, how can that quietness come? And the brain voluntarily is quiet. You, you understood, sir? I want to find out whether I see, whether the brain sees the truth that it that as long as it functions in the old pattern, it can never discover anything new. It can discover something new only when it sees the truth that the old cannot find anything new, and therefore the old becomes quiet. The truth makes it quiet, not it wishes to be quiet. Right? Is, if that is very clear. Then can that quietness operate all the time and not the and not the old conditioning? And the old conditioning with its knowledge operates only when it is necessary. The fourth and final extract in this episode is from the seventh discussion in Sanin, 1971, titled What Relationship Has Meditation to the Quiet Mind? The problem then is 
can the thought be completely be still? And they say you can make it still only through a system, right? Please, we are discussing, don't just accept anything the speaker is saying. Because they all see the necessity of having the mind completely quiet. Because you can see, when the mind is quiet, it can see much more, hear much more, see things as they are, not invent, not imagine. So, can the mind be completely, absolutely be still? And it can only be still through, they say, discipline, control, through a particular form of, the, of a system which their teacher has invented. Right? You following? And can a system, a discipline, a conformity, make the mind quiet? really quiet, or following a system, practicing day after day, day after day, doesn't it make the mind mechanical? And being mechanical, then you can control it. Like any other machine, you can control machines. Are you following? The brain is not quiet. It has been shaped, conditioned by the system which it has practiced. Therefore, such a brain being mechanical, it can be controlled and think such control is quietness, stillness. Right? Therefore, it's obviously it is not. So, can the mind be made complete? Can the mind become completely still without coercion, without compulsion, without discipline? Discipline being will, resistance, suppression, conformity, fitting into a pattern, pre-established. If you do that, you are forcing the mind, through conflict, to conform to the pattern established by the system. You're following? So, discipline in the ordinary sense of the word is out. 
And the word discipline means to learn, not to conform, not to suppress, not to control, but to learn. So, can the brain and the, the whole structure of the brain and the mind be completely quiet without any form of distortion by will, by desire, by thought? So that's the problem. And knowing it, people have said that's not possible. Therefore they went in the other direction, control, discipline, do all kinds of tricks in Zen, all that. They sit there paying attention to that toe, you follow? Watching, watching. And if you go to sleep there you are struck to keep awake. This kind of tremendous discipline. mechanical and therefore controllable and through in the hope of achieving an experience which will be true you right am i are you taking part in all this or am i just going on by myself vipan yeah, yeah i will say let Go with me, go, go along, we'll go into this. But see the problem first, not just the detail where the mind is different from the brain and brain is different from the mind, just see the whole problem. Man said, in the religion of history, not that I've read it, but I have friends who have told me all about it real scholars. Man, in his search for some super-transcendental experience, said, mind must be absolutely quiet to receive something which it has never experienced before, which has never tasted the smell, the, the quality of it. Therefore, he said, mind must be still. And not no and they've said there is only one way of making their mind still force it. And when there is the operation of will in bringing about the mind to be quiet, there is distortion. Right? I don't. Therefore, a mind which is distorted cannot possibly see what, what there is. Right? How we are sharing together, you are doing this. That is, you are not exercising will. You are not forcing the mind to be mechanical through any form of discipline system. in which is included yoga, all the tricks of yoga, which is totally wrong. Those people who teach physical exercise make it into a perfect racket, 
seeing all that, can the mind become completely still? Mind or and the brain. Because it's very important that the brain be completely quiet. You understand? The brain, which is the result of time, with all the knowledge, experience, and so on, which is always active to every stimuli, responding to every movement of influence, impression. Can that brain also be quiet? What's up? Why should it be quiet? I've explained. It must be active within the field of knowledge, right? Because that is its function. If I didn't know that the a cobra is the most poisonous snake, I would play with it and be get killed. The knowledge that it is poisonous is self-protection, right? Therefore it mu- knowledge must exist, technologically, in every way. And that knowledge has been acquired. But we are not, we are not interfering with that knowledge. We don't say you mustn't have knowledge, on the contrary. You must have knowledge of the of the of the world, the facts, and that knowledge is to be used impersonally. You follow? Well, I won't go into all that. Now, so the brain has to be quiet because if it has any movement. Its movement will be in the, in the direction of security, right? Because it can only function in security. Whether that security is neurotic or rational or irrational, you. Hmm? Hmm? So the brain has has to have that quality of sensitivity so that it can function in knowledge fully, completely, efficiently, sanely, healthily, and not for my country, for my people, for my family, for me. Hmm? But also it must, there must be that quality of sensitivity which makes the brain completely quiet. That is the problem. Now, have, have I explained the problem? Knowing the explanation is not the explained, right? I can give a description 
of the mountain. But the mountain is not the description. The picture is not the mountain. The mountain is there and the picture is something else. So I've only explained, described, which has nothing whatsoever to do with the fact. The fact is whether you, listening to this, have put aside every form of organised belief, every form of wanting more and more experience. Right? Because if you are desirous of wanting more experience, then the desire is in operation, which is will. So the fact is this, and have you, if you are interested in pursuing what is a religious life, have to do this, which means a really very, very serious life. No drugs, no all that silly nonsense out. And also not seeking or demanding experience. Because when you are seeking experience, transcendental or whatever you like to call it, you are seeking because you are bored with the daily experiences of life, and you want to have an experience which is beyond all this. And when you are experiencing what, you, what one calls a, a transcendental or a different level of experience, in that there is the experiencer and the experienced. There is the observer who is experiencing and the observed which is the experience. So there is division, then there is conflict. So you want more, more, more experience. So that also must be completely set aside, because it when you are inquiring, experience has no place. Right? So, one sees clearly that it is absolutely necessary that the brain, the mind, the whole body, the whole system, the organism must be quiet. Because as you, as one can see, if you want to listen to something, music, you listen, don't you? Your body is still, your mind is still, you are listening. And if you are listening to somebody who is talking irrelevantly or relevantly, you listen. 
and your body becomes quiet. The, so, the mind, the brain, the body, the whole organism becomes quiet naturally when you, when you want to understand something. Right? Look how you are all sitting quietly. <laughs> you are not forcing to be, yourself to sit quietly, because you are interested to find out. That very interest is the flame that makes the mind, the brain, the body quiet. Right. So, What is meditation in relation to quiet mind? Can meditation bring about the quiet mind? Can breathing, you know, yoga, in which also there is a whole system of respiration, breathing, to bring about the mind quiet? Right? Oh, Lord. You know, a perfect idiot can breathe most beautifully, can practice breathing and do it ecstatically well, but his brain is still very small. He's still petty, he's still ambitious, greedy, right? So the, the, the whole question of breathing and sitting quietly is to bring blood to the brain nothing else, because the more oxygen you have in your system, the better, the greater the capacity to observe, right? You have, must have done all this, played tricks, played with all these things a little bit. So please don't be caught in the promise by the gurus, the teachers who teach you yoga, that you will, through their particular system, attain nirvana or heaven or enlightenment. There are different systems of yoga, which I won't go into, it's all in India, you can read about it. But the main, the chief, the principal yoga is Raja Yoga, which is the king of all yogas which is nothing to do with exercise, with breathing, <laughs> which is to see how the mind, the whole beauty of life is to be understood. Right. So what relationship is, has, what relationship has meditation to a quiet mind? The word meditation means 
measure, to measure the root meaning of it. To measure. And thought alone can measure. Thought is measurement. Right? Please, this is important to understand. And the word meditation once really shouldn't use that word at all. You see, thought is based on measurement. And the cultivation of thought is the is the action of measurement technologically and in life. Without measurement there can be no modern civilization. Right? Going to the moon you must be, have the capacity to measure infinitely. So the question is, if we could only find a different word, we will. Can this measurement, which is so essential, which is so obviously necessary, how can that thought which is measurable, which is measure, <laughs> come. Not enter, let's put it on the other way. When there is this absolute quietness of the mind and the whole organism, including the brain, in that measurement ceases. Measurement as thought ceases. And then one can inquire if there is such thing as the immeasurable. The measurable and the immeasurable. The measurable is thought. And as long as thought is functioning, the immeasurable is not, cannot be understood. Therefore, they said, control, beat down thought. And the whole Asiatic world went into the immeasurable, neglecting the measurable. You are following all this? So, my, so what relationship has... We are still using the word meditation, which has a different meaning as we explained. What relationship has that to very still mind? No, can thought be quiet? And if it can be quiet, really, not imaginatively, 
which means the body, the mind, the heart in complete harmony, and seeing the truth that thought is measurable and is and all the knowledge that thought has produced is essential, and seeing the truth that thought, which is measurable, can never understand the immeasurable. So, if one has gone as far as that, then what relationship has this quality of of the immeasurable in daily life? You are following? We are asking, knowing thought is measure, knowing all the mischief thought has done in human life, right? the misery, the confusion, the division between people, you believe and I don't believe, your God is my, not my God, you follow? Thought has, pro- has brought about havoc in the world. And thought is also knowledge. So thought is necessary. And seeing the truth of that, and seeing that thought can never investigate the immeasurable. Therefore, thought can never experience it as an experiencer and the experienced. Hmm? Right? So, When thought is absolutely quiet, then one can, there is a state or a dimension in which the immeasurable has its own movement. Now what relationship has that to daily life? Have have you understood? Because if it has not any relationship, then I will live a life very carefully, measuring my, you follow, my morality, my activity, but very limited according to the measurement of thought, right? So, what is the relationship of the unknown to the known? What is the relationship between the the measurable and that which is not measurable? Right? There must be a liaison. And, uh, And that is intelligence. Intelligence has nothing whatsoever to do with thought. You 
you may be awfully clever, very good at argument, very learned, have experienced, lived a tremendous life, been all over the world investigating, searching, looking, accumulated a great deal of knowledge. Practice Zen, Hindu meditation, but all that has nothing whatsoever to do with intelligence. Intelligence comes into being when the mind, the heart and the body are really harmonious. Therefore, follow this up, the body must be highly sensitive, not growth, not, you know, eating, drinking and all the rest, you know, sex, you know, all that makes the body coarse, dull, heavy. Therefore, you, you have to understand all that. The very seeing the fact of that makes you eat less, makes the body gives the body its own intelligence. There is an awareness of the body which is not being forced. All the rest of it, so the body becomes very, very, very sensitive. You know, like a beautiful instrument. The same with, with the heart, which is it is never hurt and can never hurt another. That is innocency of the heart, not to hurt and not be hurt. And the mind, having no fear, demanding no pleasure, not that you cannot enjoy the beauty of life, Beauty of the tree, beauty of a beautiful face, looking at children, the flow of water, the mountains, the green pastures. There is great delight in that. But that delight, when pursued by thought, becomes pleasure. So the mind has to be, you know, empty to to see clearly. So, the relationship between the immeasurable, the, un the unknown and the known is in this intelligence, which has nothing whatsoever to do with Buddhism, with Zen, with, with me or with you, with absolutely nothing to do with authority or tradition. Now, have you got that intelligence? That's the only point that matters. Then that intelligence will operate in this world morally, you understand? Morality then is order, which is virtue, not 
the virtue of the morality of society, which is totally immoral. So that intelligence brings about order, which is virtue, and therefore a thing that's living, not mechanical. Right? Therefore, you can never practice being good. You can never practice trying to become humble. When you have, when there is that intelligence, that intelligence naturally brings about order and the beauty of order. 